0: Guys, today um, we are becoming free church in just a few weeks. It's kind of insane how, from the beginning, um, as we started to work on this, to see that wow, this is this is about to happen. We are about to um, really change um, as on the outside of our building, but what's so great is we are not going to change a thing about how we do church here today, and aren't you thankful for that, that we serve a God who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and so um, I just want to share with you guys this morning as we move into this new season of Free Church that there are going to be some some cool things happening. By the way, my name is Casey Freshour. I am uh, the associate pastor here at Free Fellowship Church. I don't know, we're in that weird kind of like in-between um, spot of, of what we're doing, but um, I just want to share with you guys just a few kind of exciting things. So um, Anthony spoke about our Easter services coming up on the 17th that we're going to be having services at 9 and 11. Um, what I want to share with you guys is continuing from our Easter services that start on April 17th, we will be meeting here at Sunnyside at 9 and 11 continuing on from that and I mean if that doesn't get you excited I don't know what was I mean to have two services in the morning where we can um, be together and um, continue to grow as a church and as um, followers of Christ and so anyway I just want to share that with you just keep looking forward to that as we move closer and closest, closer to that today um, but for today I want you guys to open up your Bibles to Exodus 32 we are in the midst of this series, The Exodus Journey. Um, last week, Nathan Emerson brought us the word, talking about all the different things that God has asked Moses to do. And what I get to do is kind of finish that little section and um, as Moses is coming down the mountain, and, and if you know anything about this story, you know what is about to go down today. So I'm excited to be with you guys today. I hope you have your coffees, you have your, um, everything that you need to be comfortable this morning. Um, <laughs> Just buckle in, <laughs> we're about to jump into this. So again, would you open up to Exodus 32, um, and I'll be reading today. Um, it'll be up on the screen as well as we go into this. But hey, let's, um, let's have a time of prayer as we do that. So Father, we're, we're so thankful for, for what you are doing. We're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful for, um, God, this message that you have brought today. I pray, Lord, that you would just prepare us for what you have in store. I'm um, in your mighty and holy name. Amen. So right here in Exodus 32, we have the golden calf. So I'm going to start reading right here in verse 1. So when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves up together to Aaron, the people being the people of, of Israel, the Israelites. And they said to Aaron, up. So Aaron's laying down somewhere. he'd probably just relaxing, waiting for Moses to come down. And he says, Up. Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of of Egypt, we do not know what it's become of him. So what they're saying is, make us something that will go before us. So before us meaning, remember how we had talked about how there was that pillar of smoke and a pillar of fire that guided them. So they want something new. They want something new that's going to go before them because obviously this God that brought us out of Egypt and this Moses guy have abandoned us. They just don't want anything to do with us anymore. So at this point, Moses has been up on the mountain just about 40 days. And you'll see that the 40 days is, is very important throughout this entire scripture, about 40 days. And before he went up, God had covered Mount Sinai with smoke and lightning and clouds. And his presence, his literal presence was at the top of this mountain. The, the people of Israel can literally see from where they are, based at you know, camp at the, the base of this mountain, they can see the presence of God in the hill. But yet, they go to Aaron and say, God's not here, he, he must have left. He's, he's, he, Moses has abandoned us, we've been here waiting. Please make us new gods that we can leave this place and get away from this. Maybe they were afraid because there was lightning coming down the mountain. Who knows? But we know that they were a stiff-necked people and we'll get into that, of what that means. And so that's, that's where we are in this intro. Just from the first verse, we see that they are calling Aaron to make them a new God. So let's keep reading. Verse 2. So Aaron had them... Whoops. Aaron, yeah. Said to them, "'Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me.' So all the people took off their rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hands.' and fashioned it with a graving tool, and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt." So in this whole chapter, these four verses may be the most important verses of this entire chapter. And it might seem weird because there's not a lot happening. We kind of just get introduced to this idea of the golden calf. but not only was this golden calf an abomination to God, but the calf itself was made from gold, and well, mostly gold that he had taken from these people that they had gathered in Egypt. Now, if you remember, as the people of Israel are leaving Egypt, two things happen. Two things happen after as they leave. So Passover happens, and then they have, does anyone remember this? They have two things. So they have the unleavened bread. They left so quickly that they were unable to let their bread rest or, or, or be leavened, basically rise before they can actually bake it. And so they had unleavened bread. And then the other thing that's interesting that happens in that same verse, it says that God had favor on the people of Israel and said, ask from the Egyptians. And this is if you're looking for the passage, Exodus 12. He said, ask for the Egyptians anything and they will give it to you. So basically they plundered the Egyptians. They just said, hey, can I, that earring looks really good. Can I have that? I was like, well, I guess so. And they'll, t- they'll give it to them. Remind you that these people have been slaves to Egypt for the past 430 years. Like they, they were coming through and saying, "Like we did our work, now it's our time to read the benefits, so I'm going to take all your gold. And so it says that they plundered all of Egypt. They took all their gold that they could find and took it with them. And now what they're doing is saying, you know this gold that we got that was a blessing from god let's melt it down and then just build something that's going to be against our god that saved us are you understanding how insane this whole entire thing is are you understanding that that they have completely washed aside the fact that god has blessed them and instead of using this blessing to maybe when they reach the promised land now they're gonna have all this gold that they're gonna be able to be a thriving nation where they have all this wealth they're gonna melt it down and make a god and basically just put their finger up to God and say like, we don't want anything to do with you and your blessings mean nothing to us. I'm just gonna spit in your face about it. A wasted blessing. And I wanna introduce you into something of, of why. why. Why are they in this? I wanna introduce to you this concept of the mindset of Egypt. And today we're gonna be jumping into. So if, you're, if you're taking notes, write that down. The mindset of Egypt, because that's really the, the main focus of what we're going through today. The mindset of Egypt is a state of being or a, a thought process that the Israelites had as they were escaping Egypt. This mindset was a mindset of looking back at where they came from and saying, well, it was just a lot better there. I mean, we were fed. We saw that as soon as they crossed the sea. Well, we, it was better than this. And they continued to have this mindset up to this point now where they're looking for a new god and they see well in egypt they had all these other gods that they worshipped and they seem blessed so why don't we just do what they did we were there for so long let's just adopt that same philosophy and let's make our own god let's make our own idea of how the world works so that then we can be led out by this new god a mindset of Egypt. Now, don't, it's not an Egyptian mindset. I'm not saying that the people of Egypt are evil. What I'm saying is what they had adopted in that time has caused these people of Israel to completely disassociate themselves with the God who had saved them from Egypt. They just continued to want to go back to that. It's, it's something that Egypt stood for, an idolatrous mindset that the, the Lord cannot do it. The Lord ca- cannot save me. The Lord will, just like Pharaoh said, he, he won't send these plagues, he won't blot out the sun, he won't bring frogs and pestilence and all these things to my land. There's no way your God can do that because my gods are more powerful than yours. My gods mean more to me than what this God is. And so we see the people of Israel sitting in this mindset and with a mindset like this, you can achieve nothing. You can achieve only to fall back to your old ways of sin. A mindset of looking back. There's two kinds of mindsets and as, as we've studied the way that the human brain works specifically with like youths and, and all the way up into college age, there's really two kinds of mindset. There's a growth mindset and then there's a fixed mindset. A fixed mindset is someone who has a glass half full kind of mindset. A mindset that says, well, there's just no way I could do that because I've failed in the past before, because my family says I can't do it, or because I tried one time, but then someone came up to me and told me, I was like, that wasn't a very good job. And instead of taking it as like, okay, I need to work on getting better. It's just like, well, I can just never, ever do this ever again because some guy, I don't even know, just told me that, well, you're not really good at this. Do you understand what that is? So a fixed mindset. You are fixed on the idea that, that, that nothing could ever come good out of what you do. You are stuck in that. And then there's a growth mindset. A growth mindset is someone that when those things happen, when they come into times of tribulation or come through times where someone says, hey, you're not really good at this, is like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe I need to change the way I'm doing this. Maybe I need to adjust my trajectory so that then I can reach my goal. And throughout studies of doing this, they have found that people who have a growth mindset or who are taught to have a growth mindset are able to achieve far more in regards to scholastically, but also just in life career-wise, because their mindset isn't, I'm just going to give up at any moment I meet some sort of roadblock, or I'm going to stop because someone says I'm not good at that today. Well, the Israelites, the moment they became impatient with Moses, the moment they saw that maybe Moses has abandoned us, they immediately went to a fixed Mindset. Mindset of Egypt. So let's talk about this new God they made. This new God that they have fashioned by their own hands. And Aaron has, has decided that this is the next, the right course of action in regards to what to do while Moses is gone. So let's pick up in verse 6. Or sorry, in verse 5. So when Aaron saw this, when he saw that there was now this golden calf, he built an altar to it. And made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Basically, they just wanted a party. They were going to party the whole night through because they had this new God that was going to lead them out of this place, out of Mount Sinai. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down for your people people, meaning an obstinate people, a stubborn people, people who don't want to go by the way of what God has told them, but wants to go by their own way, as we can see right here. A stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, and my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation out of you. A few things to note. One, Aaron makes an altar before the golden calf. And when I was reading this originally, I thought, oh, he's, he's making an altar to God on the side, like, well, we'll, offer, we'll just offer up some animals to God on this side. And the golden calf, they can do that. But no, he says, look at this golden calf I made. Let us burn and sacrifice animals to this God. And he lays an altar right in front of it and says, this is the new place Well, you'll do that. But it is a tainted altar, a tainted altar, an altar to sacrifice animals to this new God. Then Aaron says, number three, Aaron wants to have a feast to the Lord, the true God, Yahweh, the, 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 the God who is up on that mountain like a few miles away from them. This seems kind of twisted. I mean, we're talking about offering a new God, sacrificing him and said, but then tomorrow we'll have a feast to the Lord to, to, to say all the things that he's done for us. Do you see that the idolatry is not just alone in this golden calf, but idolatry to even our God of saying, well, you're kind of a different God than what you've painted this picture to. I'm gonna twist who you are so that you fit my needs, so that you fit the kind of person that I want to, want to offer up sacrifices to, and I'll just paint this image of this golden calf and then, and then make it kind of like something that you are. But the feast itself was tainted, and God doesn't even mention it to Moses because it literally means nothing to him. He, he doesn't say, Moses, and then they're partying and, and having this big feast to me. He doesn't say that because he's like, I don't... Nothing about what they're doing has anything to do with me. I don't even notice. I don't even see it. I don't want anything to do with it. And this feast leads to all kind of revelry. Basically, they parted the night away, like I said. Number four, God is going to destroy the Israelites. In this chapter and in this section, we get to see a lot of the character of God. We get to see a lot of the way that he communicates to his people, the way that he responds to our actions, the way that... Um, he could bring annihilation. I mean, we see a lot of who God is in this chapter and he says, "Leave me alone that I'm that my anger may burn hot against these people because I I don't want them to even be here anymore. I want to destroy them." But listen to what Moses says. Because basically what God is telling Moses right now is I'm going to destroy the people of Israel, but I'm going to spare you because you came up on this mountain to see me, and I'm going to make a great nation out of you. He's, he is changing the promise to be the people of Israel to be just Moses. I mean, we're talking about thousands and thousands of people that will perish, and Moses will be the only one who remains. And God says that, I will bless you. I will make you into a great nation. Everyone who comes from me, you will be the forefather of this nation. You will be the representative of this nation. You will be the guy on top. You will be the number one dude. But what does Moses say? What does Moses say? Verse 11. "But, But Moses implored the Lord, his God, and said, Oh, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? He's saying, God, what's the point? You brought us out here. Why are you going to destroy us now? Verse 12, why should the Egyptians say with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? What's the point of saving us? If now the Egyptians are going to look and say, well, that was strange. They put us through all this process, and then they just go out into the, into the desert and die. What is the purpose? And then this verse kills me every time I read it. Moses says to God, turn, turn, God, from your burning anger. I mean, he sounds like the guy on like, the side of the road who's just like, turn, and don't, don't burn. But he's talking to God. He's saying, God, stop. Don't, don't do this. He stands between him and the Israelites and says, hey, turn around, you know, take a break, take a breather, go, go take a cold shower. I don't know what you need to do. Whatever God does, and so that your anger may come down so that you don't just destroy these people. Turn your disaster against your people. Then he says this, and this is something I want to key in. As much as it's important that the reason behind it being, he doesn't want the Egyptians to see that they were destroyed. He also says this. He says, remember To Abraham and Isaac, you remember those guys and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars in the heaven and all this land that I've promised you I'll give your offspring and shall inherit forever. He had made a covenant promise with his people through Abraham and Isaac and Israel saying that you will reach the promised land. And Moses is saying, have you forgotten your promise? God has not forgotten his promise. He's trying to make a new promise with Moses, but he's saying, but you promised these people, Abraham, Isaac, Israel, the people that represent by this nation right here, you promised us that we were going to reach this land. Let's, I don't wanna change the promise. I don't wanna re- change the promise. Moses took a stand. Moses took a stand between him and God and said, I know you're gonna make me into a great nation, and man, can you imagine being in that spot of saying like, I'm gonna bless you beyond your wildest imagination. We just have to go through this and saying, you know what, no God, I, I wanna stand before those people. I want to take on the judgment that you have for us. I wanna take on this, this punishment that we deserve because I know that you are good and I know that your promise will endure. I know that what you have said to my forefathers, I know what you have said to me is true and I want it to continue to be true. But here's another piece of this. He says to the Egypt, he says about the Egyptians, do you want them to see that what you have done is for nothing? What he's saying is, I want to lead more people to believe in you. If you destroy us, the Egyptians will never have a chance because they'll just see God as someone who is unjust, unfair, someone who steps into places just to destroy people. He says, I want the Egyptians to understand that you are a God who is loving, you are a God who is forgiving, you are a God who is merciful so that then when he goes to the Egyptians and says look where we have done, look where we have been, our God has given us such incredible blessing, our God has brought us out of the desert. The dude was willing to take it all on to minister to people around him, to people who had put his people in slavery for 430 years he was willing to step in between but it brought a lot of judgment. It brought a lot of judgment on the people of Israel. Because we see Moses come down the mountain. He hears the word, he says he hears the news. The party's going on, the golden calf is in full display for everybody to see, they're offering sacrifices, they're drinking, they're partying, they're doing all sorts of stuff. I think the Bible doesn't go into detail because it's just like, it's not even worth it. It's kind of nuts. They're kind of going nuts here. And we see in Deuteronomy later that Moses comes down and he says, what is going on? Joshua meets him halfway and says, it sounds like there's a party happening back here or something. I don't know. Or maybe war. But it doesn't sound like battle. It sounds like singing. And they come down and they witness it. And it says Moses's anger burned hot against his people. So it's almost as if this anger of God had transferred to Moses now. And now he's in the spot of seeing the reality, seeing what is in front of him and seeing that Wow, it's a lot worse than I even imagined. And what does he do? We all heard the Bible story. He smashes the tablets. He smashes the commandments that he had given them. Not just because he's angry, but to symbolize that they had broken the covenant relationship that they had with God right there. That these tablets, they mean nothing now. What is the point? You have completely disobeyed the first two on this list and have brought shame to us. And it says, they looked as though they had brought derision to their enemies. That means like, if their enemies had saw them in the middle of this camp, they'd be like, what are these idiots doing? They, they basically were so embarrassing of a people that anyone who had saw them, you would wanna go hide under the rock because you would just feel so ashamed of what was happening in that moment. So Moses breaks the tablets, and then Deuteronomy tells us that he goes back up the mountain for 40 more days, because he doesn't know what to do with these people. He doesn't know what to say. How am I supposed to just just wipe them off? How am I supposed to clean up this mess? What is the judgment that needs to happen? And it says, this is so crazy. It says he prays for Aaron. He prays for Aaron because he knows that this is all Aaron's fault. And we'll see at the end of this chapter, it even says the calf that Aaron made. It keeps reminding us that like, hey, Aaron's the guy. Aaron's the dude who, who decided this. And it says Moses prayed for Aaron and he said, spare Aaron. So he comes back down after 40 days. And this next part gets pretty graphic, but we know that about specifically the Old Testament that when judgment comes, when the people are failing against what God has called them, judgment comes. And Moses stands at the gate of the camp. And he says, all those who, who choose the Lord, come to me. If you're done living in this, If you're done playing with God, if you're done trying to do this on your own, come stand with me, because I have something better. I have something way better than what you think this is. That golden calf is not going to lead you out of here. He is not going to find you the promised land. Why would he? He is literally bolted to the floor, people. So he stands at the gate and he says, All all who turn to the Lord come to me. And only the people of the tribe of Levi come. Now, the tribe of Levi is an important piece of this. They had chosen to be the priests for the temple, the tabernacle. Nate, where where you are, Um, talked about that last week of, of these people being the priests. And so they come to him. And Moses asked them to do the most horrific thing ever to wipe down all those who remain it says your friends your neighbors your brothers whoever stands against you it says 3,000 men fell that day people of Israel we're not talking about some battle between the Philistines yet we're not there yet we're talking about people of Israel fallen by the own hands of their own people because of the judgment of God that came on these idolatrous impatient people They walk out of that with this new covenant. Moses goes back up, and we'll read about that later. I want to remind you again that at the, all throughout this time, all throughout this process of them going through this judgment, the presence of God is sitting on the mountain. The presence of God is overseeing this entire thing. And I... I'm actually gonna invite the band to come back up as we, as we close out this section. I still have a few more things. The people's mindset was on Egypt. I had said that. Their mindset was, we just need to go back. We need to just go back. And their mindset was not on the fact of the presence of God sitting before them with a promise a promise of, of redemption, a promise of a future, a promise of, of growth and a nation that thrives. This is a mindset that we all get stuck in, the mindset. The mindset that I can't do this, we can't do this. And then that thought in the back of our mind of saying, like, well, where is your God? Where is your God in these times when it when it seems like there is no future. There is no next step. There is no direction. And we become impatient and we become people who just, who just want something else, who just want something else. And, and then when that thought comes and we're just like, well, you're, you're right. You're right. I should just stop. I should just, just be done. I don't want to do this anymore. But the mindset we need to have and what I want us to adopt today and something that I want you to continue to have is a mindset of the promised land, a mindset of a hope in the future. Because the future that is set in front of us is a future where Jesus Christ has already done all the work for you, a future where the promised land was reached and the promised land was continuing and Jesus came and he brought through his life, death and resurrection a hope for the future. And we have the promise of eternal life. At the end of verse 33, here back in Exodus 32, God makes an interesting statement to Moses as he's wrapping up this whole process with them. Moses is asking him, God, forgive us. Wash us clean. Don't, don't, and he says this, don't blot us out of your book. Don't blot us out of your your book. Don't blot me out of your book. I know that that we can do this. Please, Lord, forgive us. And he goes to battle for the people of Israel before God, praying for them, interceding for them. And God makes this statement in verse 33. But the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. What he's saying is, Moses, it's going to happen no matter what. I I will blot you out of the book. But then he says right after this, but now go. Verse 34, go. Lead the people to the place about which I have spoken to you. He's saying, Moses, I could buy you out of my book. You just saw that the people of Israel were just wiped out. I could, at any moment, that could happen. But what I'm choosing right now and what I'm saying is, Moses, go. Go, Moses. And lead your people to the promised land. Lead your people to where they need to be, where I have told them need to be to be because they are a chosen people. Now this may seem like a, a very intense, it is very intense. As I was reading this, man, I, I had a lot of times where I was just like, man, this is intense. This is very intense. <laughs> Here's what I'm not saying. God has not blot you, blotted you out of his book. What I'm not saying is there is no hope. What I'm saying is there is a hope. What I'm saying is that God has chosen us, that God has chosen us to be his people. And that salvation just stands on the edge waiting for you to choose it. Waiting you for to believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But waiting for you to step into that next stage of your life and saying, I'm not going to go back to the old sins of my life. I'm not going to go back to that mindset the people in Israel had in Egypt. I'm going to go into the land of the promised land. I'm going to live in the, in the salvation and in the promise of, of what that brings to me. And so what we need to do is go. What we need to do is, is go, is live in these blessings and lead your families, lead your friends, leave your co-workers well and love well and, and give well. Because God has called us to live in the mindset of the promised land. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, today we, we have all these things in our minds of, of, of where we want to go, where we want to be, who we want to be as people. And, and God, a lot of us are living in that now and in our reaching, lords, towards the end of, of what that means. But would you remind us today that our purpose continues on, that, that you have called us to a greater purpose, a purpose that is full of life, a purpose that has the hope of the future, and that what your son has done for us is enough. God, I pray today that if there's anyone here today who is questioning their mindset, questioning What it is to be someone who follows you, someone who lives in the full blessing of what you offer. God, I pray that you would speak to them. God, I pray that you would bring them to a place where they're able to make a decision today, Lord, to follow you. Make a decision today to to live in this reality. God, we pray today as we sing and as we close out this service that, God, you would just bring us healing, healing, you would bring us rest, God, you would bring us, um, Lord, just a taste of your Holy Spirit that we're able to be with you. God, we're thankful for your word, we're thankful for who you are, that you have brought us out of Egypt and that you've brought us to the promised land.